Friends, hasn't it been an amazing time together so far? Uh, this is a dream come true uh, for our two churches to finally unite and be together, side by side for the gospel. We saw on Saturday morning, which seemed like a lifetime ago, but it was just 24 hours ago, that Dave preached on Together in Partnership. He showed us the beauty of partnership, how good it is. He showed us the basis, the sacrifice of Christ, that He sacrifices first, and then we join in, sacrificing for one another. And then we saw the benefits of partnership, that we're better together. We can't do it alone. We give and receive. It's sacrifice and benefit. It goes hand in hand. And then we saw last night through Brendan's wonderful message that the only way that together is made possible is through the cross of Christ. Different language, culture, background, gender, race, spirituality, moral systems, family. But the one thing that brings us together is the power of the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which makes us one in Him, makes us one with another. We share the same wisdom of the cross, a a whole new way of thinking and living, a whole new way of relating, being together, putting ourselves low to serve one another. That's, That's the cross that brings us together. And that makes us a new people, the people of the cross, precious nobodies. Not many of you, Paul said, were of noble birth, of this and that. But now in Christ, we have the highest status in all the world. And so together was made possible by the cross. We've heard about the Pastors and Planters Academy and we're looking for more people. We've heard about the desire for 10 more churches or to have 10 churches in 10 years through adoption, (coughs) church planting. We've heard about events we want to do together. We've heard about podcasts that are coming out. We've heard about the possibility of mission trips. And it really does say together, side by side, for the gospel. Uh, It's so exciting. The possibilities are amazing. And I have this anticipation like, oh, I want to do this. I want us to do this. But if we're honest, it's also probably a little bit daunting, isn't it? Because I know a lot of you, most of you, we're already really busy. We're already sacrificing so much. We're already invested in each of our local churches. We're already giving. We're already on mission to our friends and our family. We're already running around like headless chooks between work and family commitments. And we're only really just waking up from our COVID hangover. As Brendan says, the COVID kilos are still there. And that's the lethargy, not just the actual kilos that, you know aren't there. Uh, (laughs) And now you might be thinking, it it sounds like you guys are asking us to do more, give more, sacrifice more, commit to more. You might be thinking, now I've got to even leave my comfort zone even more. I might be sent out to do mission. I might be called by God to plant a church or be a part of a church plan. I might be called to serve across different churches in different ways. And how quickly the excitement might turn to dread. I I want it, but I I don't want it. And I'm wondering that very, I'm having that very feeling myself. How is it possible? How can we possibly do more? (laughs) We've already got so much going on. And so today we purposely wanted this final session to address 
that concern. Because the reality is, is that we can't, really. <laughs> We're already maxed out, potentially. We can't give more, serve more, send more on our own. Uh, and if we do, if we do it on our own strength, trusting in our own reserves, and we get some things done, well, we won't do it for long. And we won't bear the fruit that God desires. And most likely, somewhere, somehow, we will crash and burn and people will be hurt in the process. And we do not want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for SG Power. I don't want that for SG Warunga. I don't want it for the leadership teams. I don't want it for everyone that's already doing so much. I want us to be thriving and fruitful and joyful and like Mike shared, resting in the yoke. And so that brings me to the solution, to one of my favorite texts in all Scripture, probably the text I return to most common when I'm anxious, when I'm looking ahead to what I need to do, what I'm sensing, ah, I can't, how? When I need faith and power to go forward, where I need reminding of how God's kingdom actually works, how it's ordered, how it's structured, how it goes forward. And I turn to John chapter 15. And would you turn there with me now? John chapter 15. I want to read and preach from John chapter 15 this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ says this to us. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Would you pray with me? Now, God and Father, I ask that you would bless the preaching and the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. As we come to this text, I just want to look at it in two simple points. 
the principle of abiding and the practice of abiding. The principle of abiding and the practice of abiding. And my one hope to steal Brendan's famous tagline every sermon, (laughs) two points, one main hope, that we would abide in Jesus and bear much fruit. Oh, how I long that at the end of this message, every heart would be abiding in Christ and therefore positioned to bear much fruit for his name. So let's jump into point number one, the principle of abiding. As I mentioned earlier, if there's one passage in Scripture that I turn to most regularly when I'm feeling overwhelmed by all that I want or have to do, it's this passage. Because in this passage, Jesus gives a principle that enables us to have the faith and power to do all that he requires of us. See, in this passage is a principle that enables us to have the faith and the power to do all that he requires of us. It's the principle of abiding. To understand this principle, we need to back up and understand a little bit of the context. This is Jesus' final address to his disciples before his crucifixion. After the Last Supper, he's speaking to them one final time. He's told them the the soul-crushing news that he's about to leave them and go. And, And the realization's beginning to dawn on them that They've got a task to do, but they're not going to be doing it with Jesus anymore. He's not going to be there. He's going to be gone. And and how are we going to do it? And so Jesus gives them this image and this idea so that they know that they're not doing the mission alone. They know they're not doing the mission in their own strength. They're likely feeling similar thoughts to we're feeling, overwhelmed, (laughs) anxious, confused. And so this illustration he gives of the vine to help them, a picture that will be planted, I'm sure, in the disciples' minds for the rest of their life, a picture that I want planted in all of our minds as we go out and live our lives. It's the picture of the vine. Let's read verse 1 and 2 again and just orient ourselves in the vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, then it may bear more fruit. Let's make some observations about this. The vine is actually an Old Testament image used multiple times throughout the Old Testament to represent Israel. So the vine was Israel in the Old Testament. I'll show you Isaiah chapter 5 so it can orient you a little bit. Let me sing a song for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. This is God. He, he dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. For the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel. He looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. See, Israel was the first planting. Uh, The vine is a utilitarian plant. You don't build vines just for aesthetic value. You don't build them. You don't plant them for the wood. They're not much. They're not very woody. 
You don't plant them uh, for shade. You plant them to produce fruit. And it's a beautiful image. If you've been to vineyards and Hunter Valley, etc., you see the fruit, the, the big clusters of grapes dripping and succulent. It's a beautiful image. And the, the stuff that comes out of you know, grapes, you put them together in the vat and wine, and then you go, beautiful red wine. And it's, it's an image of feasting and joy. And that's what God wants for Israel. But if you know this story, they produce wild grapes. They didn't produce the fruit that God desired, and so God cuts them off. God punishes them and judges them and replaces them and replaces them with Jesus. The vine Israel is replaced by the true vine, Jesus Christ. He is the true vine, the true planting of the Lord that produced the true fruit that God desired. And so Jesus is the vine, a fruitful vine. Second observation, we're the branches. We're not the vine. He's the vine, but we're the branches of the vine through faith in Christ. And the only way to be in the vine is through faith in Christ. You can't kind of just sort of vaguely believe in Jesus. You can't be attached to people who believe in Jesus. You have to be attached to Jesus through faith in Him. And if you have faith in Him, you're in the vine. You're grafted in and you're a branch now. So you're hanging out off Jesus and the beautiful thing is about that is that we get to kind of have the fruit popping off of us. We're not the power. The, vine, the power comes through the vine and out through the branches, but we get the joy of bearing fruit. We get the privilege of having beautiful, luscious grapes hanging off our arms and whatever, off our heads, whatever that looks like. And what's the fruit? You know, it's a broad idea, but it's likely any good works we're called to do in Jesus' name. That's, that's the fruit he's looking for. Whatever he's called us to do when we do it, that's the fruit he's looking for. And likely, specifically from the context, it's probably geared specifically around the theme of our conference loving others side by side for the gospel, because that's a lot of the context of John 13 to 17, and mission. I'm sending you out to go and bear fruit, to show the world my glory. The third observation is we've got a gardener in the picture. Often forgotten about. We like the vine, we're the branches. But there's also a gardener. And that's God, the one who dug and planted the vine, the one who put it there, or as the passage calls him, the vine dresser in the ESV. That means God the Father is tending to his vine. He's the one that is in the midst of our churches, tending to us, cultivating, fertilizing. And we saw in the passage that he does two things in particular, though. He removes dead branches that bear no fruit. That's a warning, Jesus is saying. If you are not fruitful, if you're not connected to the vine, like verse 6 says, if you're not abiding in Christ, there is a warning. The vine is there to produce fruit. If you don't have any, you will be cut off like Israel was. And verse 6 is very severe. It says you'll be cast aside, held, and then one day put under the judgment of fire. And let that be a warning to anyone who is not yet in Christ here this morning. You can't soften that passage. There's no middle way. It's either fruitful and in the vine or not. But then there's the other thing that the gardener does. He prunes fruitful branches so that they might produce more fruit. 
Notice that fruitful branches don't get a day off. They get pruned so that they produce more fruit. That makes sense why following Jesus is so difficult. You could be like, I'm doing all the right things and it just seems to get harder. It's like, yeah, that's, that's how it works. You produce lots of fruit and then God cuts you back to the stem so that then next time you produce even more. And you're like, oh, I'm producing fruit. And then he cuts you back again. So you produce more because you're here not for yourself. You're here to produce fruit for the gardener. And that's what he's looking for. That's why Christianity is, is hard. That's why it's death to self. That's why it's sacrifice. Because even when you're doing the right thing and it looks good, it's not this ever increasing going forward, more luxury and more benefit. You go forward through pain and discipline. And it's not always pain and discipline isn't punishment. It's, it's discipline. It's, it, it's pruning so that you can produce more fruit. So you note this, fruit is required. We might want to start easing off. We might want to just take you know, more time for ourselves, pursue our time, me time. And there's nothing wrong with rest and leisure and enjoying all the benefits that God's given us, certainly. But the Lord is looking for fruit. Fruit is not optional. Obedience is not optional. And so we must see that part of the image as well. So we've got three things to kind of orient us in this image. You've got this picture, think Hunter Valley. You've got hills. You've got a vine. That's Jesus. You got the gardener, that's God, he's going through. And you got the branches, that's us, with the fruit kind of hanging off of us. So the question is, is how do we produce the fruit? If, the, if we're required to do it and God's going to be inspecting it and helping us to produce more, how do we actually produce it? Well, that leads us to the principle of abiding. Look at verse 4 and 5. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do Nothing, right? <laughs> I just wanted to pause for a fact there. Nothing. It's so anti our ugh, human instinct. It's like, I want to do it. And it's like, no, you can't. You can, but you can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the principle of abiding. If we abide in Christ, we'll produce the fruit that he desires. If we do not abide in Christ, we cannot produce the fruit that he desires. It's simple. But what does it mean to abide in Jesus? We don't really even use that word ever, do we? Abide. I mean, if in our other translations, it's remain, stay in the vine. The ESV study Bible defines it like this. Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus, characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus, characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. 
Remain in me. Make your home in me. Stay in me. Be connected to me, Jesus says. And if we are, well, if we're connected to the vine, then the power, the health, the vitality of the vine, Jesus Christ, will pulse through our veins and out will come all the fruit. It's like, boop. It will just pop out of us because not of our own strength. We can't muster it up like, ah, fruit, like Goku, Super Saiyan, anyone, Dragon Ball Z. You can't make it happen. You abide in Christ and His power through the Holy Spirit will pulse through you. His resurrected power will be in you. And then ah, all that He requires of you in your personal circumstance, in your particular time in life, in your career, in your family circumstance, in your bodily ability, He will produce the fruit that He requires. Yes, we do have to work. It's not just abide. (laughs) We're not just sitting there. I'm waiting for the fruit. But we work by the power of the vine. It's a promise, in fact. It's a promise. It's a principle of the kingdom. If you abide, you will produce. And why? 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 Why is it? Well, verse 8 and verse 16. By this, my Father is glorified. What is it? That you bear much fruit. Not a little fruit, much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you. For what? That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. That means remain, last. It's not short-term, it's long-term. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. It should fill us with gospel confidence, shouldn't it? It should fill us with rest and resolve. We abide, He produces fruit, glorifies God, and the fruit will last. We don't labor in vain. We don't produce fruit in the ways that we want or in the style we want, but to produce the fruit that He wants. It's a promise. And that means we can labor for the Lord in all these various things in a way that shouldn't be dominated by anxious fretting, though that's my natural inclination. And even as I prepared this message and all week, I'm like anxiously fretting, abide, anxiously fretting, abide. But it shouldn't, it should work. (laughs) It means that we don't have to produce fruit fearfully or with hopeless toil. It's a promise. It's a promise to take with us as we bear our cross and deny ourselves, as we disciple our children, as we serve week in and week out, as we go out on mission, as we seek to be patient and kind, as we attempt to be courageous in standing up for the truth, we can and we will produce fruit. Implant this in your soul. We will succeed if we abide. It's guaranteed. (sighs) Take a breath. And the flip side of the principle Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
that doesn't mean no activity. It, means, it doesn't mean you can't build great families or churches or cities or uh, you know, countries. We do lots of things without abiding in Christ. But you cannot produce the fruit that He desires. You cannot produce the fruit that glorifies Him. And, and we ought not to be mistaken. Just looking at outward appearances does not mean that everything is all about everything is all going well. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's true individually. It's true in our family life. It's true in our church corporate life. It's true across our churches. If we abide in Christ, we will produce the fruit that God desires. If we do not abide in Christ, we cannot produce the fruit that God desires. One way to think about it, what is this kind of, how do we think about it? I adapted this illustration from Kent Hughes in his commentary because it speaks to me. He says this, I'm not gifted with musical ability, but suppose I sneak into my church's sanctuary on my day off when nobody's around and try to play some chords on the piano. Without my knowing it, the great Bob Coughlin, he didn't have Bob in there, but I put Bob in there, (laughs) enters the stage. The poor man is in pain from my music. So he walks to the front and says to me, I would like to help you. I have a power no one else knows about. I can transmit my ability to another person. All you have to do is look at me and watch me intently. I suddenly get a great idea. I make sure that the next Sunday morning, all of my church's regular pianists are away. I give COVID to Nikki. I give COVID to Phoebe. Uh, Rebs, everyone, they're gone. Steph. Sorry, guys. Bob Coughlin is there, but he declines to play. So I humbly sit at the piano, and as long as I look at Bob Coughlin, my fingers fly over the ivories. Nobody has ever played like that at Sovereign Grace Church Parramatta, and I start feeling pretty good. So I begin looking at the people, enjoying their admiration for my musical prowess, and immediately my ability is gone. That's what Jesus means. While we're looking at him, I don't know who's going to be Jesus, the clock. And while I'm looking at him, suddenly, oh, the fruit, it happens, and things are good, and things are going well. But as soon as we start to, that's not how you play piano. <laughs> Whatever. You play. That's how Bob plays. He's so silky. He's playing. It's good. And then you start to think, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at serving and kids. I'm pretty good at, you know, PA and tech and loving my family and discipling and et cetera. And you, the list goes on. You start to just, just go on rote. You start to just do what you've always done. You start to stop praying and, and you forget to wait upon the Lord. You forget to ask Him for strength. And, and you start to enjoy. Oh, yeah, I get thanks for that. I get praise for that. And, and you start to rest in that and your eyes are off the Lord. And then it starts to not work out as well. The fruit doesn't produce. And you don't realize it. You've forgotten. Your eyes are off the Lord. And then 
then it's not so good anymore. But you forgot why it was good in the first place. And then it starts to become burdensome and a toil and actually embarrassing because you're in front of the whole church and you suck. (laughs) And this message, this passage is here to remind us to put our eyes back on Jesus so that we can produce the fruit that he requires of us. So that's the picture Jesus wants. He's giving us the picture of abiding. If we abide, we will produce the fruit that God requires. He gets the glory, we get the joy. If we do not abide in Christ, we cannot produce the fruit that God desires. We will be cast off and burned in judgment. That's point one, the principle of abiding. Now let's look at point two, the practice of abiding. Because how does this work out in in practice. I want to give us three points of application as we close our conference together. I believe it will serve us this morning and as we go forward as churches. Remember the ESV study Bible defined abiding like this. Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus characterized by trust Prayer, obedience, and joy. First point of application, abide in Jesus daily. No days off. Jesus couldn't make it more clear for us. Verse 4, abide in me, unless you abide in me. Whoever abides in me, if anyone does not abide in me, if you abide in me. The point is, abide in Jesus Christ. The tension is that there's so many other things that we want to abide in. We're tempted to find our rest, to find our strength, to find that vitality in so many other places. I don't know what it is for you. Abiding in the long death scroll. It just keeps going. It's ever filling us up. Abiding through television binging and and finding that is what produces the rest that I can be recharged to go out. Abiding in food indulgence. If I just have that, then I will have what I need. Then I'll feel like everything's okay and then I can go and serve again. Abiding in a particular person, a relationship. Over-dependence on a spouse or a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a desire for that or a housemate or a BFF. You go first to them when you have a problem. And and that's not necessarily on, but only them. And and they become your source and your strength and your refuge. And note too, we, we, we must abide in Jesus and not in things about Jesus. And that could be a temptation for us. Not to abide in authors like John Piper or, you know, Francis Chan or C.J. Mahaney. We're not to abide in books or podcasts, even as great as for such a time as this is. We're not even to abide in the spiritual highs of a camp experience. Like, that's what I need. That's where I'm going to have the strength to go forward. I I have to have Sunday morning, and you do need Sunday morning, but we're not to abide in it. Not even our church community or our Christian friends. No, we are to abide in Jesus himself to look to Jesus, relate to Jesus, talk to Jesus, have his words in us, as he says in verse 5. 
Because what, what's the power? What's the power of abiding? Abiding isn't, you know, first century mindfulness. The power of abiding is not like, oh, okay, I'm rested, I've abided, had my quiet time, I'm ready. It's not because it has an effect necessarily on your anxiety or your soul or it's this calm moment. The power of abiding is not what it does to you, it's who you're abiding in. Because when you are connected to Jesus, when you remain in Jesus, when you are, your soul is connected with Him, you are connected to the risen King of the universe. When you abide in Jesus every day, all the time, no days off, you are tapped into the power that fuels the universe. Colossians 1 tells us of who Jesus is. When we, we're not talking about just a centered, mindful attitude. We are talking about direct line to the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. When you abide in Christ, that is who you're abiding in. That's why it has power to produce the fruit that God requires. So every day, no days off, abide in Christ. He says in verse five that his word, uh, verse seven, his word abides in you. So have the word of God saturating your soul, filling you with promises and direction. Verse 7 talks about praying in Jesus' name, and he'll answer that. Abiding looks like praying. It's a daily practice. It's the power to build his church and to make disciples. And maybe you're here and you've fallen out of habit, and you're not doing this, you haven't been doing it, or it's so small, you really couldn't define it as abiding. You know, you could have it as like, tapping on and tapping off uh, or something like that, but it, it's not abiding. Maybe today could be a reset. A reset that you say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purpose my life, restructure my life, restructure not just my time, but the orientation of my soul that I'm going to direct and point my soul back to Christ so that I'm tapped into the vine so that I can do the fruit that he requires. Reset this weekend. So abide in Jesus daily, not in things about Jesus, though they might be good, not in the gifts that he provides, though they might be sweet, but in him himself, because that's where the power comes. And finally, uh, the last two, I just want to apply abiding to our theme of the conference. Secondly, abide in Jesus together. The only hope we have as Sovereign Grace Churches Australia and our local expressions at Warunga and Parramatta is if we remain in Christ as a family of churches. We have one gospel, one hope, one confession, one faith, 
It's Jesus. And the only hope we have to produce fruit as a denomination here is if we collectively as our churches abide only in Jesus Christ himself. We must never chase any other fantasies, any other doctrinal fads, any other way, any other solution, put our hope in any pragmatic structure or any plan or any exciting venture. Our hope, our strength, our trust as churches has got to be in Him. And then all the hard things about together will become easier. It's hard to be together. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment. It takes saying no to some things, saying yes to other things. It says, I'm going to reorient the, the structure of my family. I'm going to say, you know, we're not going to do this. We're going to miss out on that so that we can be at things like this, so that we can partner together. Or even in our local expressions, it's like, we're going to cancel that so we can go to life group together, so I can be with my group consistently as much as possible. I'm going to be on there on Sunday mornings, even though it means I miss out on this opportunity, this you know, income, this experience. I'm going to sacrifice that so I can abide in Jesus together with his people. And maybe you need to reset on that as well. Maybe you've fallen out of habit. Maybe you've become regular as one in four. Regular as you know, every couple of life groups. Ah, you're missing out on the best thing. We get to rest in Jesus together. So abide in Jesus together across our two churches and individually in each one of our churches. And then finally, we must abide in Jesus for the gospel. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The fruit that he's looking for is gospel fruit, disciple-making fruit, more churches, more people, more new disciples who are brought in, baptized and matured. And that's going to take each one of us taking responsibility for all the new people and all the lost people, saying, I'm a disciple-maker. I'm going to make disciples with my friends and teach them to observe all that I've commanded or all that Christ has commanded. But we don't do it in our own strength. We can't. It's too hard. There's too much opposition. It's too scary. I mean, you just saw in the last week what happens if a few Christians say no to wearing a jersey. It's, it's just hate on the, you know, the manly seven. It's going to be hard to stand for Jesus in our time. But we can do it if we abide in him in the process. Because he promises, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Verse 5 again, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in Jesus daily. Hit the reset button. Abide in Jesus together. Hit the reset button. Abide in Jesus for the sake of the gospel going forth. Hit the reset button on that. So that we can be together, side by side for the gospel. 
abiding in Jesus, producing the fruit that he desires. That's the only way we're going to be able to love one another, serve one another, sacrifice for one another, add new people in, send people out. Only by abiding in Jesus. And abiding in Jesus will lead us to a settled confidence to step out in faith, knowing that Almighty Jesus is with us, empowering us. Abiding in Jesus will give us a bias toward action and risk. Abiding in Jesus will make us ambitious for His name because we will have His Word shaping us, His Holy Spirit shaping us, and suddenly those decisions will become clearer. Not easier, but clearer. And we'll know what we have to do, what we ought to do, what we must do, and then we'll do it with the strength that He supplies. Bruce Milne says this, We go not because we are worthy or equipped or attractive, or skilled, or experienced, or in any way suitable and appropriate, we go because we've been summoned and sent. Since he has called us, he will equip us and enable us for our witness. I want to end with the words of Jesus. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Sovereign Grace, churches, And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Let's pray and enjoy abiding in Jesus together. Oh, Father in heaven, we ask that you would help to reorient the posture of our hearts to daily Abide in your Son, Jesus. To look to Him alone for the strength that only you can supply. To have His Word in us shaping and forming our convictions and our beliefs and our thoughts. To be constant in prayer. Bringing before your throne each other. The sake of the gospel. The need to raise up laborers. Lord, I pray and ask that we would put into practice the principle of abiding, and that as a result, your joy would be in us, and we would have joy to the full, so that you may be greatly, 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 greatly glorified through our humble, weak efforts. Amen.